When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Yes, we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme. We've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and texts and WhatsApps already coming into us uh, to 0862-103-103. And I can see a number, uh, a lot of commentary already coming in about the government making another U-turn on the opening of uh, special needs schools due to open tomorrow. But of course, they couldn't get the unions uh, to agree. And for the third time, children with special needs and their families have yet again being hugely hugely uh, disappointed and it is the stress it is causing to some of the families it really is heartbreaking now it is an issue we'll be returning to on the programme today but I want to start this morning by talking about vaccines and I need to get straight to my first guest because he's about to get on a train but anger and confusion are increasing over the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine after it was revealed that family members of staff at two Dublin hospitals and construction workers in Chile all received a vaccine ahead of frontline workers. Cork East Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock joins me to discuss his concerns about the vaccine rollout. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome uh, to the programme. Now, some will say that the hospitals were right to use up the vaccine rather than waste them when they were at the end of their vaccination. They realised that these, they, these spare uh, vaccines. But there's this whole, and I don't know if you've got any understanding around it, this whole issue around leftover vaccines. Yes, and that caused uh, the situation that you've just described uh, in in those hospitals in Dublin and indeed in Munster as well. And we now are faced with a situation whereby frontline workers, community pharmacists, dentists, hospital staff are still waiting for their vaccine. And it is completely unacceptable uh, that that is the case. And points to the fact that the hospital groups were supposed to be managing this and as I understand it, a protocol was put in place uh, last week or possibly the week before whereby it was stated by the public health teams that you know that you bring in additional people to ensure that when doses are given out uh, that there are people there uh, who can take the excess supply who are on the front line and that clearly didn't happen. Uh, the question now arises from an ethical point of view, if you will, or from a, a moral point of view is those people who were given the vaccine inappropriately, will they now be bumped up the queue to get the second part of that uh, Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine? And will that now displace frontline workers again? And, and has that been clarified? 
It hasn't. And I, I, I listened very carefully to the minister last night on, on prime time. And he stated now that there is a delay. You know, they anticipated that the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, you know, they were hopeful that they'd have an early supply of that, you know, by, if I interpret him correctly, by mid-February. Yeah. We don't know if that is the case now. So the concern I have, and I, like, I'm speaking for community pharmacists, I'm speaking for dentists, for, you know, anybody working within a hospital setting who is not a, a frontline healthcare professional, porters, administrative staff and so on, who, who might have some exposure. They're the people now that we have to be concerned about. They're the people that we have to see a definitive timeline for the rollout of the vaccine for those people. And that doesn't exist at present. And it goes back to the point that if the hospital groups are managing uh, the rollout, then the question arises as to who within the hospital groups are managing that rollout. And is it a case of, well, we have spare supply here and sure, look, we'll give it to such and such a person. That sends an awful signal in ter- to, to people who are vulnerable, who are carers. You know, the, the amount of carers who listen to your show, Patricia, who will be wondering, and, and they're contacting us as TDs and, you know, public representatives to say, like, can you tell me, please, when I'm going to get the vaccine? And, and no I, one, no one can give I them a date, yeah. I can't give those you know, people a date. And it's really frustrating. And even if you had a a, a time range, uh, then that would give people at least some comfort because there's light on the horizon. Now, I've no doubt the vaccine will come. But at a time when, you know, you have this new variant now where community trans- transmission is so high, it's presenting a worry. And even though people are locked down at home, a lot of carers still have to get out. They're worried about going to the shops. They're worried about doing the day-to-day stuff that you need to do to keep life and limb together. And you know, to, and, and similarly with pharmacists and, and, and dentists and, and other frontline professionals. Well, there's, there is this huge urgency. But I mean, even, even when you talk about the frontline workers in the hospital, I mean, even on the papers today, the nurses at the maternity hospital in uh, Limerick, they're still waiting on their... Uh, vaccines and they're very annoyed because they would come under the University Hospital in Limerick. They're deciding who gets the jabs there and it turned out there was admin staff and management who got it. Now they defended it saying that the admin staff uh, were dealing with you know patients uh, face to face but the hospital group couldn't say how many were not frontline staff who managed to get the vaccine and then you have the nurses over in the maternity units not being vaccinated. I mean, the, it, the whole system needs to be uh, looked at because there needs to be transparency and it needs to be fair. It needs to be seen to be fair. It needs to be fair. It needs to be transparent and there needs to be an ethical basis for it. So if your public health policy says we have to vaccinate the people who are closest to the patient, then you have to follow that through. And it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, if, you, if it's left to the hospital groups to manage, so for instance, the South West Hospital Group manages the hospitals in the Cork area, in the Cork region and into Kerry. If it's left to them to do it, then you're going to have situations like this where people will inappropriately be vaccinated and those who uh, are still frontline workers in other hospitals, in other groups, won't. Yeah. And that's why Alan Kelly, to be fair to him, 
you know, has been calling for somebody to take charge of this. It could be an independent person. It could be a, you know, somebody like a Tony Holohan type figure. Well, is it Minister Oshin Smith meant to be in charge of all of this? Well, I I don't want to speak unkindly of any, you know, dull colleagues, but I think this is a, a job for somebody who has an expertise in logistical planning. And we've seen how, for instance, the army, and this is just a personal view of mine, we've seen how the army, the defence forces have, you know, worked with people in terms of testing and in terms of, you know, uh, you know the, the public health effort. And if you're talking about logistics and logistical planning, this is what this is about. And there are no better people than the Defence yeah, Forces that's a good point. to do that. That's a, that's so, a good point. So uh, reading in the papers again today, hospitals in the South, we've had a disproportionate larger number of COVID-19 vaccines than anywhere else in, in, in the country. That's good news, isn't it? Well, well it's, it's good news if you're being, if, if we're kind of flying the flag for the South. But what you want to ensure is that if you have a system that is uh, working properly, the rollout happens consistently across all of the regions. And, uh, you know, we we have to go back to the point that was made about pushing the minister now for answers in respect of mass vaccinations. And we spoke about this last week, Patricia, where, like, when we go down to the age cohort and the various categories of people to be vaccinated, we need definitive timelines and we need to have sight of what the minister uh, and the HSE is planning in relation to the rollout. Because what I don't want to see happening is when I don't want to see somebody who is in, we'll say, the, the 70 plus category in Ballyhooley having to wait longer than somebody who's living in, you know, Ballydehob, who's in the same category. There should be a consistency of approach and ensuring that it's applied equally so that there isn't a major lag time. You know, you'd accept a matter of days between that age cohort, do you know what I mean? For all but won't of... that all depend on how many vaccines arrive onto that's, our shores? And that's the rub. Therein lies the rub because we need the vaccines now. We need the European Med- Medicines Agency. You know, we, we need that release of vaccines. And that effort has been coordinated at an EU level. The questions will soon arise over the next week or so as to the when. The pressure is coming on the Minister now as to when are we going to receive those vaccines and he has not been able to answer that definitively to my mind because what he had said on, on television last night was that it would be, you know, he, he's hopeful that it would be mid, uh, mid-February. Okay, I'm watching the, the clock because I know you've got to get, get on the train but Katrina in Formoy wants to know would Sean like to see teachers vaccinated so we can get schools reopened? I, I would ultimately. I'd like to see everybody vaccinated. I, but the, 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 the straight answer to that question is that if you, you want to uh, ensure that the most vulnerable are, uh, you know, vaccinated in terms of those whose immune systems are, are compromised. But the current issues around, for instance, access to special education you know, the, the debate that's happening at the moment and with recent events in the last 24 hours, I can see both sides of that argument because I deal with both sides of that argument. I deal with the SNAs of the teachers and I deal every day with families, with children who have additional needs. And there was an opportunity in the last number of weeks for the minister to delve deeper into, you know, working through a system. And I don't think that happened. 
I had uh, conversations with principals who had access to the uh, to the um, webinar that took place on Monday, where what they heard was the message coming from uh, Dr. Glynn was that those people within the 20 to 50 cohort, which is typically your SNA or teacher, that there is an element of community risk. So how do you balance that element of, of risk where if, as Dr. Holohan says, you're going into a controlled environment for six or eight hours, but beyond that, you, the environment is not controlled within the community, it still presents a legitimate risk for, for anybody working within the school community. But it seems to me that what we need to do now in relation to ensuring that teachers, to speak to that person who, who texted in, is to ensure that a teacher can go back into a safe environment, that the parent feels that they're safe, the student feels they're safe, and everybody working... And, and, and the only way you do that, I think, is that by ensuring that you have an adequate supply of the vaccine so that it, the mass vaccine rollout can happen. Can happen, yeah, because there, there is this sense that the children and their families have been forgotten in, in all of this discussion about whether the special needs schools uh, will open or not. Just on one final point on the, on the vaccine, when we had uh, Gabriel Scali finalising the report into the Zavital Check scandal. The one thing that he found was that there was plenty of bodies involved in the service, but he couldn't find anyone who was in charge. Is that the similar problem that we have now with the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine? There's just not one person in charge. And it goes back to what, what we've been calling for, is one figurehead, one person who is the identified, identifiable person on vaccine. I, I don't think Stephen Donnelly, Stephen Donnelly himself said that it's not a matter for him, it's a matter for the HSE. So that's an abdication to a certain extent of responsibility. I think if you had an independent, objectively minded, uh, you know, person who was put into that role to manage all of the logistics around that, I think that's the way to, that public, you build public confidence around that person in the way that public confidence has been built around the likes of, you know, Ronan Glenn and Tony Holohan and people like that. And, and, and people then will kind of assess what they're saying. But if it's a political person, and if the political person has, you know, stating on the public record that this matter for the HSC, that to my mind, if I was a minister, I, I don't think I'd be, You'd like to take ownership of an issue if it's within your bailiwick and you'd suffer the things and arrows that come your way if you make mistakes. You can't abdicate that responsibility. So therefore, I think the bottom line here is that you do need an independent person to manage this. That's the only way you're going to build public confidence and you'll prevent the issues arising such that people inappropriately are receiving the vaccine who shouldn't be receiving it. Okay, we'll let you get on that train. We appreciate you taking time out to talk to us, uh, Sean. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Uh, Stay safe. That is uh, Cork East Labour Doll Deputy Sean uh, Sherlock. Uh, Someone says, hi Patricia, bring back Simon Harris as Minister for Health. All is forgiven. Somebody else says, shame on any minister or any government that will go against the advice of Dr Tony Houlihan and uh, Neffet. Heads should roll. That's from John A. Saying on the topic of vaccine listeners, listening to uh, Deputy Sean Sherlock there, if the government are using the same logistics as they have been with the, within hospitals to roll out the vaccine, then it simply is a disgrace. I work in a hospital and we're only getting what's left over from other hospitals. They are not vaccinating, for example, a full ward. It's a few nurses from different wards have been picked. It is a joke. And by the way, we are all uh, frontline uh, workers. And let me go to Mary, who is a home help. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning. I'm hearing so often from home helps who are out working in the community 
you you really feel like you're the forgotten when it comes to the rollout of the vaccines. I'm, I'm afraid so. And we're going into the most vulnerable of people. And we have families as well, you know. I mean, I would be a carer as well as a home health. So I have a son with a disability. And uh, I'm terrified of bringing it home to him. And, uh, I mean, the nurses in the community have it got. Okay. Uh, I don't understand why. We're the ones that are out on the ground, mostly. Uh, and we're, there's no, t- no date for us. It's, it's just a scandal at this stage, really. We're all terrified because, it's, you know, it's, it's very much in the community at the moment. And, uh, and I'm also wondering, uh, the likes of my son, when are they going to get it? They're very vulnerable. And if they had to go into hospital on their own, can you imagine how frightened they'd be? Well, actually, later on in the program on today, I'm, I'm speaking with Family Carers Ireland who are raising that very point that yeah. family carers have not been identified on any yeah. sequencing list for vaccines and yeah. neither have adults or children with their special needs, which is just, no. it seems really bizarre that they, that they haven't been mentioned. And you're in and out of different houses because of the nature yes. of the work. We, we could be in and out of seven or eight different family houses every day and there is no date for us. I have rang so many times about it and all I'm getting is maybe next week, maybe next week. There's no date. And, you know, it's just scandalous, really, that we cannot be, uh, uh, we're, we're out there on the front line as well. And, you know, we have to wear masks and, and gowns at times and, and all this kind of thing. And we, we have no date for anything. We're, we're definitely the forgotten ones. And you are frontline workers. That's, a, that's exactly what you are. And, you, and you're giving personal care to people. Yes. You can't socially distance from your client, for example. No. You can't no. across the room say, this is what you need to do. You have to be, it's personal care. It's personal care, yeah. Personal care. You know, you're with, you're with the person for maybe an hour sometimes, maybe three quarters of an hour, whatever, but you're with them. And how can you keep away from somebody that you're actually giving personal care to? You can't do it. It's not fair to them and it's not fair to us. And how do you feel when you hear uh, teachers and SNAs uh, refusing to go back into classrooms? Well, Can so you understand I have, it? I, I have two daughters myself, uh, teachers, and I'll tell you, I do understand where they're coming from. But, I mean, I'm out there. Uh, we're all out there in, in the community and we have to keep going. We, we can't say we won't do it. You know, so I, I mean, I can understand it because we're all frightened. We're all very frightened at this stage. And Mary, uh, have you heard of any other home helps who contracted COVID-19? Yes, I you have. have. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so that's yeah. tough. That is tough. And, and people are worried. And I mean, particularly last night when we had the figures over over 90 people passed away, you know, 90 people yeah, who, who yeah. were loved and, and who loved and families, you know, they're never coming back. I mean, there is you can, you can sense that there is that that fear out there. But you're you're but you're getting up every day, Mary, and you're going out and you're doing the work. Yeah. And you have the fear of taking it into some house or Get heat from some houses is bad, but take heat in is nearly worse because you don't want to be the cause of somebody dying. 
you know, and it, it's just because you have a one-to-one uh, with when you're a home health. It's different in a hospital setting because you you have a one-to-one with your clients, and you know you know them personally. You you you're with them every day. And can you imagine if you were the one to take it into them? You know. I know. I know. And yet we're hearing that here in the South, we got the highest number of vaccines, the largest number of of doses were administered up to Tuesday of last week was in the South South West Hospital Group. So there there are a lot of vaccines. We'll see if we can send, I might send an email off to the Department of Health just to see have they any, can they give us even a timeline on when they expect the home helps to be be vaccinated? Because you are right, you are frontline. The very nature of the work you're doing is frontline work. We're very much frontline because we, like, we're with very vulnerable people, very, yeah. very vulnerable people. They're all in their 80s and 90s, and we're going in there hoping we won't take it to them or we won't get it from the household, you know. We're going into houses where there's different families going into. We don't know who's in, you know. I know, I, mean, I know. I know, I can absolutely un- under- understand your fears. And, you know, I'm very annoyed at this stage that we don't have, have it got, you know. And yet you're, you're some of the real heroes of this pandemic, uh, Mary. Listen, stay safe. And as I say, we'll get on to the Department of Health and just see if they even got a timeline for the home helps. But listen, look after yourself and stay safe. Thank you very much. For God bless. Support. God bless. Take Bye care. Uh, 1850-333-103. Uh, Pat in from says, I think the people talking are too far involved parents and families should be isolating themselves do they expect teachers to be completely isolated from your child it's not that straightforward it's a big problem and I'm assuming this, that's somebody who is in favour of the schools uh, not reopening 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls the texter says teachers are running the country now Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to MIG.ie. Children with uh, additional needs and their families have been almost completely forgotten about after talks between unions and the government failed to reach agreement on the reopening of uh, special schools and classes which were expected to reopen tomorrow. That's the message coming out very strongly from advocacy groups such as As I Am, Down Syndrome Ireland, Family Carers Ireland and Inclusion Ireland who have called now for urgent interim measures for children who cannot engage in remote learning learning such as in-home supports uh, from teachers or special needs assistance. Paddy is in Bantir and our PJ, sorry, is in, ba- in Bantir and he joins me. Good morning to you, PJ. Good morning. The reason Paddy is, it's the name Paddy's on my mind. Uh, Paddy, Paddy is your little boy, is your little yeah. six-year-old boy who's autistic. You also have a little girl, Morgan, mm. who has Asperger's. And last week we spoke with your wife, Colette, who was outlining why school is so important in your household and you could hear it in her voice last week that she was almost broken and when we contacted her today to to get a reaction to what happened yesterday she actually said she's she's been physically sick all week yeah she has been she has been physically sick to the point where last night Carlis always goes to bed early um, because Paddy can have very disturbed sleep patterns, so I've, I've I've actually been in bed only one night in the past two weeks. Um, I've spent the other thirteen nights on the couch um, because if he wakes, I have to be ready straight away. And he's had B 
because, because he's not been at school. Um, his routine has suffered, and consequently his diet has suffered. He's eating um, food that you would give a six-month-old child. Uh, fruit pots, liga, uh, with milk through it, and yogurts. And we've gone from defined meal times now to um, eating on demand, which is about every 90 minutes, maybe eight or ten spoons, and that's about it. His sleep pattern at night can be very bad, so I have to be there and let her get a rest. And she is broken. She broke last night. She broke last night, um, and there was nothing I could do. That's really... Di- that's a, you're, you're painting such... It's our reality. Yeah. It's our reality. People go on about the danger about the dangers of COVID coming into schools since the last lockdown, and I can give you the date, March sixteenth, um, exactly, because on March sixteenth I actually got a chance for a social drink and went down the road, literally about two hundred yards, for a drink. And I can tell you the next time I had a drink was in August when a friend of mine who's on UN duty in Yemen came back. And we met up in Cork City and we had a few social drinks and drank apart from everyone else. And the next time after that was December 23rd. Um, when I went down to try and get caught a Christmas present. to get uh, That was my last day off. Um, to, to actually throw out of the house, please get out of the house, you need a break. We don't, parents of special needs children, we're not a risk. We don't go out to sheep beans, we don't go to house parties. We're locked down. We're always locked down. Because we're carers. I was a nurse and I, I, I had 20 years under my belt. Um, I'm no carer for a child. And there are many other men in this country who have given up what their, their careers, their jobs and everything to, be, to, to nurse their children and care for their children. And we sit back and we get something put close to us that could give us such routine and give our children such opportunities and stop their regression. And the moment the carrot gets near your lips, it morphs into a stick and you're beaten with it. And you just are caught in the middle. You have a government who is planning but never plans for a doomsday scenario of unions saying no. You have unions who are saying, oh, but there's risk of it coming into the schools. But the families are locked down. We see nobody. I get one trip out a week, one trip out a week to do the shopping. And because of the fact that the, the car has to stay with the children, I have to bring a granny, a granny cart, those little carts with wheels, and a big, huge rucksack and draw back about 100 kilos worth of groceries. Um, to because the Colette needs the car. She needs to have the car in case anything happens with the children. And there's no way, as a family, you could bring the no, children to the no. supermarket well, and the go last shopping. Time that we, the last time that he was out socially was a Tuesday, March, two years ago, and he had a blowout, and we couldn't do it since because it didn't work. And we tried, and it didn't work. It was too upsetting for him. So these are the adaptations that we have to put in there and these are the links that we have to go to to ensure for our children that things are good. And when we get something, just his basic schooling, his educational right, and it's been reaffirmed by the, by the Supreme Court that he has that special needs children must have education suited to their needs when it comes that close and it is taken away again. It is soul-destroying. And it breaks us. And it breaks families because the incidence of marriage breakdown in families where there's an autistic child or a special needs child is high.
higher than the national average. Yes, and and the, the instance of suicide is higher. And it's, 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 it's tearing people apart. And where are we? We're behind four walls for the past 12 months. And nobody gets to see that. No. The, the only people that get to see that and get to know that are when we talk online or something like that. And it's with all the parents that are going through the same. And we, share, we try and share the burden with each other. And people are finding it harder. People are finding it so hard. And children are regressing. I take my child for a walk every morning every on the button. And we have to adjust it this morning because I can't, because I'm talking to you. And I can see the difference in him week by week, the regression. We're down to three words. We're down to three words now. Dustpan, screwdriver, electric drill. There are his three words. There are his three words. He was talking in school. I, I, was, I, I used to laugh at the fact that he would talk in school to them, but he would not talk to me. And I would turn around and say, I don't care as long as he talks, because I just want the day that he looked me in the eye and he'll just say, I love you. And he's six years of age and he's never said that. And and, and, he, and PJ, he, he does love you. He just, he just can't he say it. We, we know that. We, we, yeah. all, we always know that. And we wouldn't change our little Manford world. And just, does, he love, does he love going to school? Absolutely adores it. Because I always bring him to school. We drop Morgan off first at the play school. We dropped Morgan off first at the play school and then we would bring Paddy to his national school and it would always be me and him. It's our little ritual because everything is ritualised in their lives um, and I would walk up with him and whereas when he was in the other local school in the, in the, in, in the pre-education he would drop to the floor and he wouldn't, you'd have to pick him up off the ground and you would have to kind of, you'd have to pick him up and it was like picking up a bag of spuds to bring him in but now he loves it there. And he loves the teachers and he loves the SNAs. And he, would, he, he literally is fighting to get away from my hand to run up the footpath, to run in the gate. And when I get him to the gate, there's not even a turn back to me. He doesn't even look back, but I'm happy because he's happy. Because he's running into school and into education. And that's fantastic and he loves it. And when he's in school and he has that routine, is home life then easier when he is at home? Is, it, 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 we took a holistic approach in that the school asked me when I was actually talking to the teacher and it was actually the school asked me what would you like him to do um, what would you like him to do and I said look I, it might sound stupid but if he could just feed himself because he still eats in a high chair and we still have to feed him and I said look if he could just feed himself I just want to see him pick up a spoon and through their approaches and our approaches we were doing exactly the same thing he started to do it, it stopped. It stopped. That's, it, that that skill is now it. gone. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 and his toileting. We're still in nappies, um, and that has gone backwards again now, where we're dealing with constipation issues and stuff like that. And these are all realities day to day. These are all realities, you know. And any outside support, PJ? We have supposedly access to speech therapy and occupational therapy. I'm going to be very blunt here. There's more chance of me seeing Santi in Kentork or Bigfoot than I will ever see a speech therapist or an occupational therapist. And that existed pre-COVID because of the waiting list and because of the lack of funding. If, if, you, are, if you have heart failure, if you have heart failure, Patricia, and if you're taken to the hospital with it, you are 
treated for it. And then you go to your GP and he monitors you. There is no monitor. There is no fast fix in Ireland. There is nothing like that. These children who are nonverbal and who need occupational therapy do not, in reality, get access to services. They don't. And people that say bring back Simon Harris. Simon Harris gave two million to As I Am run by his brother to advertise for autism services. That when the, par- when the parents heard the advertising and went looking for it, the services didn't exist because of waiting lists. If you can purchase the services, fine and grand. That's good. But if you're on the public waiting but list, they cost we a fortune. Are, you, you can't get access. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And this is a right for a child. Our constitution says that we ch- should cherish all children equally. I don't see much cherishing of children in the past week. And I certainly don't see much cherishing of children by the unions, not the government, in the past week, in the past fortnight. I see them using our children as pawns in some vainglorious point-scoring match. And what FORSA will never tell you is that FORSA have members in the health sector and porters and cleaners and stuff like that. FORSA are across the border. Please, as I saw last night, and I, as I said to John Paul, I stayed up it kind of through my, my own quiet time that I get to de-stress and decompress before I kind of start the night shift. I watched prime time. And Andy Pike was on from Forza. And as he was asked, what is the difference between a special needs assistant that is working in Fermanagh in an open special needs unit providing education to a child and another one six miles down the road in Cavan who's not working? And he couldn't answer. And he couldn't answer. And it goes even further than that because you have essential workers now going back. Nurses, for example, dear to my own heart, and they are looking for childcare. We have a childcare provider here in Kentork and she's operating with half her staff. Do you know why? Because two of them are FORSA members. And you know, do you know where they are, do you know where they are at the moment? They're at home because they're told that they're not to go in there and work. And we have the other really frustrating thing uh, when I saw the arguments being put forward yesterday as to why they couldn't go back into the classroom and it wouldn't be safe and all of this. Adult services, adult day services is back up and running. Right, it mightn't be a full service, but, but it's but, back up and running adapt, and they've proven adapted. that, yeah, and they've, they've adapted and yeah. they've proven it's a safe environment. And I think, you know, the point that you made, how you and Colette and the kids have barely been outside the door, you're not the ones who were out partying over Christmas. You're not oh, the ones or having people in and out of your house Not you know you, there's less chance of COVID being inside in your house than, than, than most places absolutely you and know and therefore you, your children going into school are not at risk of bringing COVID in when you are a carer of a special needs child you become isolated you provide this government with a service for a pittance because Craig gets the carers allowance it is barely a few, uh, a few euros over, over social welfare but she and other mothers and fathers and guardians of special needs children in this family save this state tens of millions a year and hundreds of millions a decade in care that they provide. If they gave up in the morning, what would the state do? What would they do? They don't have an answer for it. No, no they, don't. they don't. They don't want to consider right. 
I, I can see a lot of people are saying well done and, and, um, and, and just how fantastic you are and what a great advocate you are on behalf of your gorgeous wife and your two beautiful uh, kids uh, summed up with the, one listener saying hi Patricia my heart is breaking listening to that poor dad that you have on the programme if I could do anything for him give him my number even if it's to go and collect groceries for him have you, have you reached out locally is there anyone locally could help you out um, PJ there isn't really. There isn't really. My family is back in West Cork, so I can't see my own mother. I can't see my brother um, because of distance and stuff like that. Um, and we could meet once during when things eased way back when. Um, but no, we just have to soldier on. And that's the thing about being dead. We're expected to be the one, and in a lot of cases, that holds things together. We're the strong one. Um, but... There is no shame in the fact, and I'll say this, I have nights when I cry. And other dads will tell you exactly the same when you get them to open up and to crack that shell that's there. And look, it's just a message from me to other dads. It's okay. It's okay if you have to. If it's okay. Let it out. You know? And, and, and just... Just remember that nobody can be strong all the That's time. That's it. That's it. Listen, yourself and Colette are incredible. And Patty and Morgan are truly blessed uh, to have you as parents. Listen, we'll keep you in, just, in, in our just, thoughts. Just, just, one, just one final thing yeah. that I will say. And this is from me to the INTO, the ASTI and FORSA. You showed what the vocation of education is, that it's dead in the grave. This is profession before education. This is, at the end of the day, children have come second. I will never forget that. I'm a union-supporting man to my core. I'm actually getting back involved in politics again now because of this. I will never forget this. And as much as I will never forget it, there will be a lot more families out there that will never forget it either as well. It will set up divisions for the next generation, which I would appeal to them before you ever think about what you're going to do next just consider there but for the grace of God go I look after yourself PJ and Colette and uh, thanks for joining us Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie and I'm after getting backed up with ads but I didn't want to interrupt uh, PJ what a powerful powerful uh, piece uh, and just can we all keep PJ and his lovely wife Colette and, and other families I mean he's just speaking on behalf of so many families so many of them are broken they're just not even physically able to get on a phone to talk about what the situation uh, is like and you know they are our neighbours they're our friends they're our family members and it is such a hidden issue we just don't parents that have a child with very challenging special needs you ne- you don't get to see them out because they don't go out they're very isolated they've been cocooning ever before the word cocooning uh, was invented in this country so let's remember all of those uh, families today and once again uh, my, my deep deep appreciation to uh, PJ for speaking I think as I say on behalf of so many other families look I need to take another break we've news at 11 on the way Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy the insurance group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Of course, you can always email Patricia at c103.ie We very much welcome them as well. Uh, mum, the mum 
a mum who is mum to a boy who attends a special needs education uh, school uh, tweeted us at uh, C103 Cork to say maybe instead of blaming teachers and unions on the day Ireland reported its highest death toll throughout the whole pandemic this is why SNAs and those within the education sector working closest with the most vulnerable uh, were and remain worried if returning to a small classroom with little ventilation apart from opening a door or a window to my knowledge and transport in a taxi at full capacity with zero social distancing in place. I I love him and his siblings. I would love my son and his siblings to be back in the classroom mixing with his friends but from a parent's point of view it needs to be safe. And Matthew says while teachers and SNAs want to be higher up the list for vaccines which by the way says Matthew I totally understand and agree with but if they wish to be higher up the list then they should be willing to return to work uh, first. Also coming in to us, uh, it's on vaccine, i leave that one for a moment. Eileen says, I am a frontline worker for 30 years. I have an underlying health condition and only for a colleague ringing me, I would have missed out on the vaccine. My daughter, by the way, has not been vac- vaccinated and she's a frontline worker. Theresa McCroom was on about adult services, the COPE Foundation said Theresa have closed their adult day services. Maybe our loved ones are safer at home than going into these places. We feel they're safer at home after all it is a massive pandemic. But can I say to you, and it's the same with parents who didn't want to send their children into the classroom. That's an individual choice. But there are other people who would prefer their children to be attending day services or would prefer their children to be back in class. I mean listening to PJ and when I spoke with his wife Colette last week I put that point to her. Would she be fearful about her son Paddy returning to school? Would she be fearful about him getting COVID? And she said she worries more about him being at home and missing out his routine and his education. She worries more about that than him actually getting COVID. So I think that's that has to be an individual choice on behalf of parents as well. And then Eddie contacted us whose daughter is a teacher and, and he said, I was on to my daughter last night and my daughter is mortified at the carry-on of the unions. Teachers can do nothing about it but not all all teachers are in the same boat. My daughter is online all the time with classes doing the best that she can. Please don't tar all teachers with the same brush. There are many teachers and SNAs who'd love to be back in the uh, classroom. And by the way, we were, one of the points that PJ, when I was talking to him, the dad in the last hour, one of the points he made was like himself and his wife are almost cocooning the two of them because they are terrified of picking up COVID-19. Uh, and for fear if they got very unwell what if they got very unwell and ended up in hospital who would look after their two special needs children there's no backup plan uh, there for that and that's why I said I would be speaking with Family Carers Ireland who are really pushing for family carers to be vaccinated because again they're not on the sequencing list of people to be prioritised for the vaccine and Catherine Cox was due to join us about now but she rang us just before 11 to say really sorry but this guy's have to cancel because she's just been called into a meeting with Josefa Madigan who's the Minister for State for Responsibility for Special Education and Inclusion. We don't know what the meeting is about. We're assuming it's to do with... with we're, we're, we're obviously assuming it's to do with the fact that the schools aren't going to reopen but it'll be interesting to see what you see from Madigan as the Minister for State what she has to offer towards uh, family carers and the other groups that have been called to that meeting so Catherine won't be with us today but she'll come b- back to us to talk about uh, it tomorrow and in particular to find out what happened uh, at that meeting uh, today and then at the close of the programme yesterday when we were starting to discuss Wood Special Needs School there was still a glimmer of hope that the schools may reopen on uh, Thursday we had the 
spouse of a teacher contact us to say that he is he didn't want the schools to reopen he didn't want his wife going into the classroom for fear that she might pick up uh, COVID and then he was quite critical of parents saying that many parents it's not, not about education at all it's just that they want their children babysat well can I say that caused anger amongst some people I had an email in that I, I didn't get to because it came in just at the close of the programme saying with regards to that comment from the teacher's husband if a teacher is only a babysitter maybe the teacher should not be in inverted commas a teacher I want both my kids back in school to be educated and not to be babysat and that's kind regards signed a very angry mother and then a whatsapper is on saying good morning Patricia can I just say how appalled I was at the text that you got from the husband of a teacher yesterday good God I hope nobody in his family needs medical help should the hospital staff have his attitude. Just listen to the GP on the RTE News talking about their beautiful daughters one autistic and another little girl with a serious mobility issue and the challenges that they face as a family. This pandemic has brought out the best and the worst in us. Teachers, SNAs, students should not be forced back to school. It should be their choice and if they choose not to go then there is a pop payment for them if they don't want to go back into the uh, classroom. Okay, also coming in morning, Patricia, all give please give the teachers the COVID payment um, then they can go to the classroom for those, and then those that don't want to go on a COVID payment can go to the classroom and work with the children with uh, special needs because there are certainly teachers out there who'd love to be back in the classroom. Look at all the doctors and nurses. God be good to them if they all took that same attitude. Porik in Porik Moynihan who is a full-time carer for his daughter Gobnet was listening to PJ talking because he's a dad in a similar situation and he said to PJ here, here, well done for saying all of our life stories, for speaking on behalf of all parents with special needs children who are struggling. Patricia says another WhatsApper, teachers need to get off their ass. Now this is this is a listener saying this, need to get off their ass and get into school and do their job. They're getting paid for staying at home. Back in March, the government said not to leave the virus, take your life over. And what did the government do? They've let the virus take all of our lives over. And in listener, no name on this, I feel like a rant. Members of the INTO and the ASTI should be ashamed of themselves for not letting children with special needs return to the classroom. The nurses and doctors are putting their lives and their family lives at risk every single day that they go to work. The government met all of their requirements yesterday. Neffet said it was safe to go back into the classroom and wait for this come 1st of May. I bet you they'll not return to school either. Shame on them. They'll come up with some other reason not to return on the 1st of February. Uh, That's the next date now that they are all working towards. And some of your texts in. Finally uh, says Patricia Patricia uh, says and a tired essential worker it's signed by. Finally Patricia the penny drops for our nation and teaching and SNA unions are showing up for what they are. When all of this is over and our country has a day of commemoration and remembrance. I refuse to stand beside those unions and others should do the same. And that's signed a tired, essential 
worker. And then Margaret is a teacher who says, Dear Patricia, I'm very annoyed by your total apathy towards teachers and SNAs. The decision to close schools in January was not made by teachers or SNAs. It was made by the government on the advice of public health. Children have been off for 10 days and already parents are rightly saying what a loss it is that schools are closed. Rather than lambasting teachers and SNAs, please acknowledge that they are a lifeline for parents like Paddy's dad who spoke to you in the last hour. It is wrong that a union would request that any return and not be provided with the basic PPE that is required. I'm a full-time carer to an adult who has access to one day's disability service and I'm also a teacher. We never said we weren't going to go back to school. We asked for supports to ensure it was safe for children and staff. Kind regards. And that's from Margaret. And uh, Margaret, I'm sorry if you feel that I'm showing apathy towards uh, teachers and SNAs. I'm trying to reflect the commentary that's coming in uh, to the programme. But listening to uh, Norma Foley the Education Minister, you could hear how exasperated she was on the clip that we had on the news at 11 o'clock. Everything bar the kitchen sink seemed to be offered to the unions yesterday and nothing seemed to be good enough because one of the arguments that was being put forward, certainly by force on behalf of the SNAs, and I don't know whether the INTO was saying the same thing, that there are teachers and SNAs going in who might have underlying health conditions or they might have a family member at home who is medically vulnerable and the offer was on the table for any of those people they weren't forcing them back into the classrooms they were saying to them look you can take unpaid leave you can look at parental leave but you know that wasn't good enough it wasn't the people who were being forced when they felt themselves they were medically vulnerable they weren't being forced into the classroom and even pregnant teachers weren't being given the offer that they could uh, work from home so you know it does look like that they tried to put everything in place for them and when you say you are right it wasn't the teachers and the SNAs that made the decision the schools were closed based on public health advice but at the webinar that was held on Monday it was Dr Ronald Glynn and Neffet are saying that the schools are safe especially for the special needs uh, children so it isn't again uh, it isn't the parents that are saying the schools are safe that's the the health advice that is uh, coming out but um, I'm sorry if you think I'm showing apathy towards you I'm not I'm just trying to reflect what is coming into us on the programme today and a listener says I'm a childminder I mind children in my own home the children I mind are children of frontline workers I run the same risk as teachers do but I understand that these children can't be left on the side of the road while their parents go to work, especially as they are um, frontline workers. We sanitise and mask as best we can and we just get on with it. Come on, teachers, grow a pair mask up, get two metres back and sanitise, but get back into the classroom for the mental and educational state of all of our children. It should be a vocation. It should be children before pay. And a listener says this COVID is turning very nasty with people finding fault with others. It's hard for everyone. No point in picking on teachers or on SNAs who are living in the middle of a global pandemic. Nobody needs a master's degree when they're in the graveyard. And another listener says last Last night on primetime, Miriam O'Callaghan asked the Minister for Health a very good question. She said, who's running this country? The government or the unions? We all know the answer to that today, don't we? Hard to believe what 
is going on. 1850-333-103. And one final one in on this topic. The teachers and the unions are at it again. The teachers and the SNAs want to be considered frontline workers and they want to be first in the queue for the vaccine. But they still won't step up to the plate. They would rather do a few hours at home on Zoom and complain then when their internet is a problem. They don't really show They've really shown their true colours. They treated everyone as they treat the children, talk down to them and do as I say. And unfortunately, they're getting away with it. Do they not shop in shops without fear that they the fear that they're constantly talking about, that if they're that afraid of being in the classroom, are they actually cocooning at home? I don't think so. What about those workers in shops? What about nurses and uh, doctors uh, and all of the other essential workers who turn up for work day in, day out? Shame on them. 1853. 333103. Some of your calls and comments coming in. John Paul has taken the calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Kinsale Hotel and Spa. They've got vacancies for full and part time receptionists with training to start before opening. Full and part time waiting staff also to begin once the hotel reopens. And they're also looking for full time maintenance technician. That's to start immediately. Supervisor required. For luxury holiday homes in Glengariff, it's a full-time position with flexible working hours. Home instead, they're looking for caregivers for Cork City and County. While the Bonsacore Care Village, that's on the Lee Road near Cork City, they're seeking temporary staff nurses and healthcare assistants. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now the Cork County Mayor, Mary Lennon Foley, is urging local tradespeople to please engage with Cork County Council in order to establish a more efficient repairs scheme for council properties. Councillor Mary Lennon Foley joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you doing? Now, I'm not too bad. In an ideal world, would you have tradespeople in every county town ready to work for the council when the work arises? Um, in an ideal world, I suppose we would hope to have that. But that's not the case, Patricia. You know, for a long number of years, I suppose, when it was local authorities and local councils that were in each town, there was always the tradespeople from each town. But I suppose when um, when it went to municipal districts and everything was kind of brought up to Cork County Council um, headquarters as such, rather than town councils, everything was kind of centralised there. And for a, no- a long number of years in my first term, I suppose, um, as a Cork County councillor, I used to find it kind of frustrating that tradespeople for repairs of social housing especially were coming from the city area rather than from the towns where the social houses were. But they opened a procurement system then to Cork County Council a number of years ago to the housing department to kind of, I suppose, open it up to local tradespeople to go in um, and basically give their details and, you know, that they're available and whatever. But then I suppose with the way housing went and with the boom that kind of came afterwards with building and with tradespeople, it's very hard 
Patricia to get a local plumber or local electrician in each of the towns. So it's a bit better, as I was told at a housing meeting during the week, in that a lot of them now would be coming from neighbouring towns. Well, that's not, that's not too bad. And we're, we're, I mean, what are we talking about here? Plumbers, electricians, carpenters? Is it right yes. across the board? Right across the board for any repairs, really, in social housing and sometimes for, I suppose, grants as well in the sense that, you know, DPG, when they're doing disabled grants and they're doing up houses and they're putting in maybe shower rails, you know, general maintenance to social housing, Patricia. Yeah, because there was a a time where, uh, am I right in saying, where the council would have had all of their own tradespeople employed by the, isn't that the case? That was the case, yeah. And back in the day, I suppose, again, going back to um, when it was local councils rather than municipal districts, it would have been always the case that you knew the plumber. So rather than going through the whole network of the emergency line or the lines for repairs and that, you would know the local plumber, so you'd give him a ring and he'd be able to come and work locally. But that's not the case anymore, Patricia, which is unfortunate because at the end of the day, you're waiting to probably go through a system to make sure that you can get whatever repairs you need um, done to your house and it kind of takes longer I suppose. Yeah, And I know we have to change with the times and all of that but the older system seemed much more efficient. Yes it did, it did and I suppose you can go, you can say that about a lot of cases really can't you? Yeah. I, you know we talk about doctors and you know the frontline workers and I take my hat off to them but long ago you bring a doctor and a doctor will come to your house you know, oh, that day is you'd long know gone. the doctor, yeah, <laughs> it's long you'd gone. Know the doctor, and you'd know, yeah. and you know, they knew, and they'd pop up the driver wherever up to your house, and like it was the same system, it was more localized, um, and I suppose that's what's happening. So I'm kind of urging, you know, tradespeople, electricians, plumbers, carpenters, all that. Obviously, when restrictions are lifted, you know, to make sure that they let Cork County Council know that they're available for these type of works because, you know, there's always repairs going on within the, the organisation. So, you know, if they're looking for work, um, they could be on a call system then where they do have a call system in the sense that they have people on their list. They give them a call, um, a call out then for whether it's emergency or whether it's just day-to-day maintenance. Brilliant idea. Absolutely yeah. brilliant idea. And, and people living in council houses then, is there a delay when there's something goes wrong in the house and they need to get something fixed? Is there a delay or are you pretty good about getting people out to sort out the repairs? No, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. Now, they can be kind of, I suppose, like with anything else, there could be delays in the sense that we found over the last number of months now, Patricia, due, due to COVID, that, you know, some people that were on the list were either tested positive or in, in close contact with somebody. So we said they, were, they weren't available for maintenance. So somebody else had to come in then and maybe finish a job that somebody else started. But normally, there's not much of a delay. That's and good. normally, residents are, you know, they get on to their local councillors and councillors can kind of give the nod in and they'll get the, the rundown or a date or a time of when they will be calling. You, you mentioned the, the adaptation grants. I mean, they can be the difference between somebody leading an independent life or, and remaining in their own homes. How, yeah. how is that working? That's working very well. 
and you know we get plen- we got we got funding there lately again to start off for our new year because it kind of comes in yearly but that's working very well um and to be honest with you you just hit the nail on the head when you said it makes a difference for people you know whether it's a rail or a ramp going up to their door so that they can access their house and they can live you know independently themselves that they're not dependent on people so they work quite well and I think our counting council are very good with their adaption grants because you know if they see the cases and once they go in they're put to the top of the list the emergency ones and they work with that you know Brilliant, brilliant Okay we're back into as everybody knows another lockdown and actually I was uh, reading something online this morning it does look like that this current lockdown it's been, it's, it runs until the 1st of February it looks like it is going to be extended but I don't think there's any surprise uh, surprise there The council's community call programme that we spoke so much about back in the early days in uh, March is is that is that still up and running? It is up and running. It's um I suppose it was started back in March and it was a massive, massive success, Patricia, for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people that were cocooning at that time, a lot of people that weren't able to access, I suppose, pra- their practical needs every day. And it's a community support programme where there's coordinated community response to assist vulnerable persons with their daily needs basically. And it's a kind of a go to phone line. So that if you we'll just say a lot of um organizations alone family carers and a lot of other organizations meet well we zoom every friday morning myself the chief executive and all these different organizations all over the county um you have it from the religious organizations from uh, alone i'm just trying to think off my head of all the different ones but they're all organizations that touch in with people who are vulnerable or people who are cocooning and of course now families what we're seeing a lot of in the last number of weeks is COVID positive, one in the family, the rest of the family is self-isolating obviously as well and they can't get out to get their shopping, their medication or different things like that. So it's a kind of a go-to number where all the voluntary organisations as well all over the county um, have given their time and given their numbers. So we just say as an example, I ring in today to say my prescription needs to be picked up in the chemist. I can't go because I'm either self-isolating or COVID-positive or cocooning. Um, there's an organisation, This you ring this number, they get in contact with whatever voluntary body in that area, whether it be Meals and Wheels, whether it be Community Guard, whatever, and they go out, pick up the prescription, leave it at your door for you. But not only that, there's also a lot of organisations and as if people are lonely, Patricia, because I think this time more than ever, Maybe it's the weather, maybe it's the time of year, but I think a lot of people this time are ringing it just for somebody to talk to. Yeah, it's yeah, that, and unfortunately, is it's it's a huge problem because I think with so much COVID in the community, even though taking hope from the fact that the numbers are slowly, slowly, slowly going down, but there is definitely a nervousness out there by people who are medically very vulnerable. They're afraid to go out. People who maybe have been popping to the shops or whatever. And if you are in that category and would prefer to stay at home then this is the service. This is the service, definitely, for you. You give the number a ring, they can put you in contact with alone um, or whatever whatever practical support that you feel you need. And, like, it, it, it basically it offers with non-emergency, non-emergency and non-medical supports, you know, because for obvious reasons it wouldn't be... And, you know, it's a kind of... I suppose what we were trying to get out there as well, it isn't that it's like a GP service or if you're feeling unwell, but... If you did ring that number, they would certainly put you in touch with somebody then again who's on our forum from the HSE, you know? Yeah. So there's kind of, it's a link number to link you to all 
the 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 supports that you might need because like the supports are so so different to what they were back in March you know and I think as well Patricia and I was listening to your programme this morning as I always do and I think you know sometimes when I suppose people are upset about their own personal issues it's made bigger if you can't speak to somebody you know yeah, if you're yeah. if you're dwelling on it, and you know, I find myself for every night waiting for numbers. And if you're dwelling on something that I suppose is, you know, maybe that you, you you're lonely, you you feel I have nobody there calling to me. Uh, you know, it makes I suppose it it doesn't help with loneliness and stuff like that. And I find a lot of my constituents at the moment will ring me for whatever reason, and you know they're on the phone for maybe twenty minutes to half an hour, and you know they're lonely. It's only you know a chat, just, really, that yes. they're they're calling you for. Yes. And I actually thought yes. PJ, the dad with the the autistic um, children, I thought his point about how other families they link in with other families, and it might just be a rant, it might just be to yes. say how bad their day had gone, but just to have somebody else to listen to them, and in that case, somebody to identify with what they're going through is so important. It is so important. important. I think, you know, now more than ever, talking seems to be the way, you know, and if you can kind of chat about it, and like, I get it, I get it myself, I'm kept busy um, at home, we're working from home, but I I sometimes get it as well, Patricia, where this morning now I looked out the door and I saw the rain again, and I thought, are you for real? Like, have we not enough to put up with now over the last number of weeks and continuous rain like but then I said you know what now Mayor go in go on do your work get on get you know but I can do that because I have something to keep me going thankfully but there are a lot of people looking out like me you know who don't have anyone to talk to and this community support line is vital you ring it we will put you in touch with somebody that is there to help and support you is it the same 021 number I had for March the number is it's a, de- a dedicated, confidential and free phone number. Okay. 1-800-805-819. Okay, 805-819. Okay, Ivan. And there's a text, Patricia. Yeah. And it's 085-870-9010. Yeah, that's okay. the text Brilliant. number. Brilliant. And there's an email at covidsupportatcarkoco.ie. Okay, well done, well done. Uh, okay, listen, you may be able to give offer advice to this uh, a listener who lives in a council house. And I don't know if it's a city council house or a council uh, council county council house uh, because it's come in by text. Um, my family moved into a council house six years ago. Since then, I have been reporting a leak in the roof. I've maintained the house myself by doing painting, etc. But I've got an issue now with mould on the walls because of the leak and the problem is persisting. Uh, could Mary offer advice, please, on what to do? What do you do in well, the case of that? I'll tell you what I'd advise them to do is to get on whatever area they're they're in, whether they're south, north, um, or east Cork, whatever area they're in, either contact um, one of their local councillors or me. Yeah. I'm easily found anyway. I'm a public representative. My number is out there. So, um, and I can put that in um, to housing repairs and they'll contact them then. Okay. And when I last okay. spoke to you, it was just after the release of the Mother and Baby Home uh, Commission. Have you had and it was literally had just been released. Have you had longer time to digest the the report, Mary? I have, yeah. I've digested it, I suppose. Look, I went through it um, as best that I could. But as I mentioned on that morning, and it's similar again, you, you read a bit of it and then you have to put it down because, you know, there's some horrific stuff there. But look... Um, I just, I'm still the same, as I said to you. I, I'm calling on the T-shirt and anyone that has any bit of clout to make sure that 
Besborough, number one, is investigated and that nothing goes ahead there and to open them files to the people that need them, basically. Yeah, I, the more I look into it, though, uh, the more I'm starting to get a bit disappointed. I was I was excited, it's probably the wrong word, but I was glad that this report was finally coming out after five years. It's very sanitised in parts and certainly anyone who went forward to the commission, a lot of those people are speaking out now and it was like they weren't listened to. Like they yes. got they got to say their piece and it's always like a pat on the head. Away you go now, there you go, should we've listened to you? And they yep. didn't really listen and that's really disappointing because that's further traumatising people who saw this as an opportunity for the wrongs to be righted and I, you know I, I think they were not done and dusted with this I think by a long shot but anyway that's just my rant on it. No you're uh, right. Listen, and I agree 100% which I yeah. don't think it's finished with either no. but again Patricia at least we're talking. Yeah. At least yeah. we're talking yeah. about it. You yeah know? absolutely and I think it's giving people the chance to have their voices heard and they're the voices that need to, to be heard. Uh, yes. Listen, it's a pleasure as always, uh, Mary. Keep up the good work and thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Thank you very Good morning much, to you. Bye-bye. You. That is the Mayor of uh, Cork County, Mary Linehan uh, Foley. And that number again, if you need help, it's the Cork County uh, Community Response. Reach out, please, if you are struggling and you need help, particularly with this current lockdown that we're going through. 1-800-805-819. 1-800-805-819. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's consent. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then, get the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. My apologies, I've just spotted a WhatsApp that came in that I should have put to uh, Mary Lenahan Foley when I was talking to her on the issue of tradespeople looking to bid for local jobs within the council. A texter says, Patricia, could you ask about payment? It takes a long time for the county council to pay and that is a reason why many small contractors won't do it. I'm a carpenter and I would willingly do it but I simply can't wait that long to get paid and that's from a West Cork. Uh, contractor. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103. Now, Skibbereen has decided to relaunch its community alert group following an absence for a number of years. To chat about what the group hopes to achieve, I'm joined by Skibbereen Community Alert Secretary and local Fine Gael Councillor, that's uh, Karen Coakley. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, Patricia. And, Good morning to all the listeners. And you are welcome. How long has it not been operating and why did it stop in Skibbereen? It hasn't been operating since 2014. Uh, there just didn't seem to be a demand for it. Now, originally, when it was set up, the aim of it was to run the uh, TAF, the um, family, sorry, I should say, the monitored pendant alarm system. I don't know if you're familiar, if you're listening to I am indeed, yeah. Uh, for, 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 for a lot of older people wear one Absolutely. of these pendants and you pre- if God forbid you ever fall or you need a bit of help, you can press this and it's linked into a local group. That's exactly yeah. it. There's the watch or there's the pendant. And the Family and Resource Centre took it over, so it just disbanded. And uh, this year, quite a few local groups came together and they thought, obviously, something had to be done. I suppose just to say, really, it's a positive expression of the community's commitment to keeping each other safe. And it's done in partnership with Angarda Siakona and also Mintanatira as well. OK, and what do you see as the main, uh, the main aim now of the relaunched group? 
the main aim really is promoting personal safety and wellness and alerting people to be more vigilant and more assertive. I often get messages on Facebook and people say to me, we've seen suspicious activity, we've seen something in a part of town. And I say to them, have you contacted the Gardaí? And they'll normally say, no, we didn't want to waste their time. I then contact the Gardaí. The Gardaí need to know. It doesn't matter, you know, how insignificant somebody thinks something is. The main thing is to report it to the Gardaí and just to be more alert and to be looking out for one another. We've all got to be more aware of our personal safety, in particular in the circumstances now. Yeah, and the, will you operate a local text alert scheme? We will. Now, we just set up in December. In fact, on December the 8th, we had a very successful flag day and people were actually delighted to see us out in town. Brilliant. Obviously, we were socially distant and people are just glad to know because we're all spending more time at home and people are worried. So it's nice to see that there is a group now, we are in the process of putting up signs, and at least when the signs go up, if any criminals do come to town, it's a deterrent for them to know that we are alert. Yeah, yeah. And then the idea would be that a, a, a text message, because I know some areas operate them very successfully, because uh, listeners would often send in the text message into us so that we could call it out. You know, it might be a suspicious white van going around offering to do guttering or whatever and trying to get the message out to people do not engage with these people. That's exactly uh, not to engage with them. I mean, we will be attracting new members within the community. It's, it's imperative that we will have new members for the success of the group, but obviously we can't have any meetings. In fact, any meetings that we've had, it's just been conference calls. So at the moment, we're a very small group, but very committed members. So once restrictions are lifted, we'll be planning on having a public meeting. We want people to get involved. You know, the more people that are involved, it's all about our community and just looking out for one another. And if you see anything, just report to the Gardaí and look out for one another. That is the main message from it. Somebody's asking, is it just for the town of Skibbereen? This is actually for Skibreen and its environs because oh, there are quite right. a few other groups as well. For example, Baltimore, Lep, Castlehaven, Tragumna, they've all got their own groups established. So this is really Skibreen town and just a little bit out of it as well, just the environment. Well done, well done. And the COVID pandemic, Karen, certainly back in the early days, really instilled that sense of community in people. I mean, it was it was very much, I don't know, I know people are saying now is it still there as much as it was now? Certainly back in the very early days of that first lockdown, there was this really great sense of everybody pulling together and everybody did pull together, particularly when older people were cocooning and I know that's gone, but during those days, people did help each other out. It is most definitely still there, but obviously people have to be so much more conscious of themselves as well and other people. I know from the local geriatric group we're providing a fantastic meals and wheel service. A lot of people are volunteering, but they can't accept them because they've got to keep the same people. So a lot of people are at home. They want to volunteer, but because of restrictions, it's not possible. Yeah, and there was an increase in COVID cases, wasn't there, in West Cork? Absolutely, but I mean, if people are at home and if they can't actually physically go out and volunteer, older people would love somebody to pick up the phone and simply have a chat and look in and then... I mean, I really fear for mental health for a lot of, not just older people, younger people too, but a lot of people are on their own. They're seeing nobody. And it's very, very hard. And even listening to the news all the time, it's having a big impact on their mental health. So I think as a community, if we have anybody older living near us, just look out for them, look in on them 
and just to make sure that everybody is okay. We all need to be more vigilant. Yeah, well, I read Paddy O'Brien, who's a great advocate for older people on the programme on Monday, and like he was making that point as well. And you can't gone in the days where you could call in to somebody and have a sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. But you know, you can do a window visit, or you can, as you say, you can simply pick up the phone and say, you know, I'm going to the shops later. Do you need anything? You know, just reach out. Absolutely, reaching out and. Just sometimes just to pick up the phone, people are so glad to hear just another voice. You yeah. don't necessarily have to do anything to them. Yeah, but yeah. that can actually mean the world to some person Absolutely. because some people are seeing nobody. OK, well done. So well just done. to hear a friendly voice. Listen, stay safe and let, us know, so let us know when, when things get back to more normality and if there's any way we can help you out with the Skibbereen community at Art, we'd be delighted fact, to do Patricia, when we are having our public meeting, we'll come back to you and Please tell you do. because we do want more people involved and we appreciate all the support of everybody locally. OK, you look after yourself, Karen. Thank, Thank you, so you for that. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Fine Gael Councillor Karen Coakley, uh, who is now the Secretary of the Skibbereen Community Alert. L- lots of pages and pages of comments coming in. I'll do my best to get through as many of them I can in the next hour. We also will have a piece from our Times radio reporter. He's our man in Washington for Joe Biden's inauguration. Uh, we'll get to that. And we're also uh, going to hear from a d- former environmental minister, wasn't he? Uh, Dennis Nocton, Dáil Deputy Dennis Nocton. He is saying that if people get caught fly tipping and the council can clearly identify the car that was used for the fly tipping, he says that that car should be uh, impounded and should be seized. And he says the legislation is actually in place, and which I didn't realise it was already in place. And I wonder, has a car ever been seized because a local council somewhere around the country was able to prove that fly tipping was going on? So we'll do the whole uh, issue of littering, which I know annoys so many people. John Paul is taking your calls, 1850-333-103. You can continue to text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Q. Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We are going to be talking about fly tipping in this hour. A listener says the council are the biggest fly tippers. Reason why? They clean dikes on a road and then they tip what they've cleaned onto wider loading bays and then come along and level it all off with the digger. When they're cleaning out the dikes, they, what they take away should be taken to a licensed dump. Start showing good practice first, uh, council says a listener. And we will be talking about should cars be impounded if somebody's caught fly fly tipping Pat says Patricia I think anybody caught fly tipping should have their cars or vans taken away from them the the car or van should then be sold and the money used to clean up the mess they left behind and Michael and Barry Rose says I think that people that dump rubbish should be fined at least 100 euro they won't do it again after that so hit him where it hurts in the pockets says uh, Michael and we were talking about the council in the last hour with Mary Lennon Foley, the county mayor, and how she's saying if there's any tradespeople out there that they might contact the council to say they are available for work. But somebody's pointing out that they don't pay quickly enough. Somebody else is picking up on that. Yes, the council are the worst to pay. An over-contractor who was on hire to the council with the JCB and he waited six weeks, six months before he got paid. That's why a lot of tradespeople won't uh, sign up. And someone else is saying, um, what else is here? 
here on the councils. I know there was a few other ones. Somebody else is asking uh, about if you want to sign up to the council, like what Mary was uh, talking about as a tradespeople, do you need to be on the dole to do that work for the council? No, she's talking about people who are, if you're on the dole, fine, and you want the work, that's great. Uh, but she's talking about people who are already up and running and their businesses are there. They would just let the council know that they would be available in a particular area if work came up and then they'd get a call, you know, maybe weekly, maybe a couple of times a month, whatever, to say the job needs to be done and they go away and, and do the job. That's how the system works. 1850 And then when we were speaking with Karen Coakley about the community text alert that's been set up, or the community alert scheme that's been re-established in Skibbereen, and we were talking about the the pendant alarm that many older people use and how great they are. Uh, Stephanie said, funny story about one of those safety necklaces, one of those pendant alarms, uh, Trish. My mum had a safety necklace and when I called one day, she couldn't stop laughing. And I said to her, what's up with you? And she said she woke during the night and she could hear somebody calling her name. And she thought for a moment it was an angel or a spirit coming to her in her sleep. After several minutes, she realised she had set off the pendant alarm accident and the guy was calling her name to see if she was okay. The guy was so nice to her and once he knew that she was okay uh, he laughed uh, with her says (laughs) Stephanie and that happens I imagine a lot of times. I know a couple of years ago Marsha, my daughter, I don't know what she was doing but she picked up my phone or moved my phone in some way and there's a button on a lot of the smartphones where if you're in a panic you can get through to emergency services and she somehow managed to hit that button. Of course I was completely unaware of it and my my watch happens to be linked to my phone. I have one of those smart watches uh, and it's linked to the phone so you can speak through the watch as well and I could hear somebody going hello, hello and I was looking around I was checking this is the radio is there? couldn't work out where the sound was coming from and then I could almost hear a conversation going on saying yeah it's somewhere in the Mallow area and I was thinking oh my God that's, and then I realised it was my watch was talking to me and then I realised it was my phone and then of course mad scramble to find the phone to pick it up to speak to this guy who was on emergency services and I explained what had happened and he said don't worry about it it happens all the time and it was fine so yeah that, that does uh, happen and I a friend of mine actually in the UK who had uh, the police arrive at her door uh, to say that they had it was her daughter her young child at the time had somehow dialed emergency services and they could hear noise going on in the background but they couldn't work out what was going on in the house so they ended up tr- tracing the number and called to the door and when she opened the door and to the police standing there and they did straight away said do you have a young child in the house and she said yeah and then of course her little one followed her out and they worked out what it, what had happened so I think emergency services are, are used to that kind of thing uh, happening uh, staying with the council somebody said not a word about libraries when are libraries going to reopen and what are the staff doing I think a lot of the staff have been redeployed to uh, other areas but the libraries yes all of the library branches and exhibition spaces all closed to the public with the introduction of uh, level five restrictions. But the County Council's Library and Arts Service, they've moved everything online and they have a huge range of e-books, e-audio, e-magazines, newspapers, courses, all available free of uh, charge. You just go to the uh, Cork County Council's Library Service, go to their website, you can join the library online and you can access a range of free online services uh, from uh, home. So while the library might be physically open, I know people like to have the book in their hand. And I know back in the first lockdown, 
the libraries were great about delivering and they were getting books out to their regular uh, people who come in to get books. I don't know if they're doing it this time around. They certainly did it during the first uh, lockdown. But the service is all online if that is of any use to you. And we continue to get pages and pages and pages of commentary about teachers and special needs assistance and when will teachers go back to school. Let me bring you some of them. Dear Patricia, on teachers, would you want to go back to school when you know you can sit at home on full pay? Of course, you wouldn't. What a joke, says this uh, listener. Margaret says, Patricia, thank you for reading out my message in relation to teachers and SNAs. I think as the county mayor, Mary Lennon Foley, said, we all need to talk and your programme offers that forum to your listeners. Kind regards. That's from Margaret. Thanks, Margaret. Stay safe. Lisa says, I'm an SNA in a special class. I've been bitten. I've been spat at. I've had my hair torn out of my head. Yes, I love my job and that's the career path I took 15 years ago. But for the sake of everybody working together and to get this virus down in our community, we will get back. But we all need to work together. All we're looking for is the right PPE gear. We love those children like our own. And listening today to people bashing us is so upsetting and it's so unfair. We have family members that we need to look after as well. And that's signed by Lisa. So she's very upset listening to the programme today. Hi Patricia, my heart goes out to PJ the dad who you spoke to in the first hour and his family and many more families like them. Do they get any respite? Do they get any break? Any home support at all? They should be getting so much support. As a carer myself on full pay, I contacted the parents of the children I work with and I actually go to one family and I mind the child with special needs whenever they need it. It's working out well for both of us. Well done, well done. You've got a good uh, kind heart there. Eileen in Clam, also upset about the bashing of uh, teachers and says Patricia could you please stop bashing teachers we don't know what anybody else's circumstances are we don't know what people's family situation is you're a presenter and you could decide to stop reading out the teacher bashing messages everybody has their own worries and it would be nice to hear everybody getting their fair treatment teachers are humans too with families with children with health concerns teachers care and they need to be safe too people are dying from this virus thanking you that's from Eileen in uh, Clam and literally what came in directly after your message Eileen was somebody who says I've worked every single day since the pandemic arrived on our shores and while teachers have been off. I'm in contact with people every single day. At this stage, teachers should be put on a COVID payment. What an insult to us that that these people, i.e. teachers, think they should get the vaccine before us and before frontline workers. Someone else wants to know, will the, John wants to know, will the insurance companies be handing out big refunds to everybody like they did in the first uh, lockdown? I suppose we might be lucky to get a few bob to shut us up. The 30 euro was a joke, says John. I haven't heard of anything of insurance companies handing back money and I don't suppose they will because if you listen to the traffic that's on the roads is... uh, 50% higher than what it was during the first lockdown so not everybody has their car parked outside their door and not heading to work. Hi Patricia I'm sick to the teeth uh, about hearing about those so-called teachers. My daughter works as a frontline worker and I have her two children here with me. We're both as 
grandparents in our late 60s. If she doesn't turn up for work, guess what? Her contract would be terminated. I have so-called teachers living near me and her friends, who by the way are all teachers, are out running every morning. I'm looking out the window at all of the cars, all six of them all parked up. None of them seem afraid of catching COVID when the group are all chatting before and after their run. None of them wearing masks. It's all excuses, says this uh, texter. Sandy says re-COVID in teachers. The teacher I know is teaching online. The teacher has family members with COVID. Another teacher is a close contact and is teaching online. Um, each can, in theory, infect 20 people if they were to go into the school. Who would like to be one of those children's parents? I wonder, would you sue if a family member suffered serious permanent health problems as a direct result of picking up COVID from a teacher? John in Blackpool says, my friend's son has autism and she's asked me to ask you, I'd ask your listeners, is she entitled to an iPad from the school from home for homeschool learning? At the moment, he is using her phone, but he's getting very frustrated because the screen is so small. I would suggest, John, that your friend contacts the school directly to see if they have a scheme in place. I know there were some charities who were offering and who were helping out with technology for people who couldn't afford it. So I'd say check back in with the school. Chris in Mallow says childcare is open for essential workers. So why shouldn't it be open for special needs children? children and as all our frontline workers they should have received the uh, vaccine. That's childcare workers I'm assuming uh, Chris says as frontline workers should have received the vaccine. Patricia who does that teacher's husband, this is the teacher's husband who was saying parents only want their children babysat not not educated. This was yesterday this came in. Who does he think he is? Do you think the uh, do they think they're above the rest? What about doctors and nurses? Where would we be if they had the same attitude today as teachers? People need a choice. But those teachers that won't go back into the school on a pandemic payment and believe me it'll soften their cough. They're a disgrace constantly looking for excuses. Someone else says PJ the dad who joined you earlier is an incredible man. on teachers they always want special treatment like their pay claims all big companies like the ESB Air and Post all their employees are on a different pay and condition terms depending on when they joined we cannot go back to the old days of big lump sums and pensions it's long been accepted except not by the teachers who suffer from these inadvertent commas so called hurt feelings I hope they're hearing this and shame on them it might make them reconsider the decisions that were made at yesterday. And Mary says, Patricia this is on vaccines. There are too many chiefs and not enough engines. As the song says, why can't one person be put in charge of the vaccine being rolled out and then a list of dates given to all of the people of when they'll get the vaccine. They don't know what they are doing. Leave it to a woman, I say. This is Mary. She'll sort it out for you. After all, we have a bigger role to play when running a home, etc. Men don't understand time is time and a day is a day, says Mary, who wants a woman in charge of rolling out the uh, vaccine. And Liz says, isn't it time to call those out who have who flaught the coronavirus rules and restrictions as criminals. They are robbing us all by putting us all at risk. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. Mallow Meals on Wheels would like to remind people that they are available Monday to Friday for deliveries to regular and new clients. 
they would especially like to hear from people who are isolating at the moment you can phone Eleanor on 087 289 you can also call that number if you would like to volunteer to help deliver some of the meals and Cope Foundation are appealing for people to participate in their 300,000 steps challenge during the month of February. You register online at the cope-foundation.ie forward slash February challenge and help raise funds for projects and programmes that empower and support people with intellectual disability or autism right across Cork City and County. Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie former environment minister says legislation on stopping illegal dumping isn't being used properly. It comes following claims from a county Kildare councillor that the local authority has been inundated with calls about fly tipping. Independent uh, Dáil Deputy Dennis Nocton says people need to be discouraged from doing this and he joins me. Good morning to you Dennis. Good morning Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. Now you've come out quite strongly on this one. You believe vehicles should be seized if drivers are caught fly tipping? Absolutely. I, look, I believe that uh, illegal dumping uh, is both economic and environmental treason uh, and should be treated as such. And I think uh, people uh, lose their rights to uh, you know, protection when they get involved in this particular activity. Uh, I don't think they should have rights under GDPR and data protection when it comes to it because of the huge implications that this has in terms of health, in terms of our environment, in terms of tourism and in terms of bringing uh, investment and jobs uh, into many parts of our regions. So there is a law there uh, that does uh, allow for the confiscation of vehicles. It isn't being implemented by local authorities uh, at the moment. As Minister, we were looking at why that wasn't uh, happening uh, at the time. Uh, We also wanted to increase the, the fines on spot fines Uh, for people involved uh, in this activity to send out a clear message that this will not be tolerated. And as Minister, I introduced the anti-dumping initiative, uh, which has seen over €6 million now being invested in local authorities across the country to do uh, clean-ups of areas, to uh, purchase CCTV cameras and drones, to train uh, officers to secure uh, evidence and to carry out different amnesties. We had a, a mattress amnesty uh, across the country to collect up uh, mattresses. We ran a programme uh, of collecting up uh, tyres around the country uh, so that people didn't have, uh, you know, the need to uh, dump something on the side of the road. What I always find really frustrating, Dennis, because obviously we get contacted a lot on the programme about fly tipping in a particular area and people will send in photographs of what they came across, often in like a beautiful scenic area, wooded area. What frustrates me is when you see items that could be recycled, like, you know, the white electrical goods, like a fridge or a cooker or whatever. And what frustrates me is somebody went to the bar of bringing that to a scenic area to dump it when that can be recycled for free. That's correct. And all they have to do is to bring it to any electrical shop uh, and they will automatically accept it. So if you take some of these locations uh, and if you track it back to the the nearest urban centre, people might pass two or three electrical shops en route (sighs) to this particular location and yet are prepared to dump it 
in a very scenic location go to a lot of effort uh, to doing that. And that's one side of the scale. The other one is, and I think all of us involved in lockdown and uh, at the moment will be frustrated by this, a small handful of irresponsible owners of dogs in terms of dog littering uh, and fouling on our streets which is causing huge problems as well. I had one mother last night who said to me uh, that she doesn't bring her kids out in the evening now, in the dark evenings, because they don't know where they're walking. That shouldn't be happening on our public footpaths around this country and for a small, very small minority of people who are taking an irresponsible attitude in relation to this, they really need to change their view on it. That's a big bugbear, I have to say, with a, a lot of our listeners, the dog fouling. And, and I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because people, more people are at home during lockdown. It seems to be worse now more than ever. Yes, it is. And, and look, I, I was on, on the footpath with my own kids uh, a couple of days ago and it was nearly impossible uh, to to actually avoid it and it is uh, a health issue as well as being absolutely disgusting when it comes into uh, to people's homes mm. and you know people need to be responsible in relation to it and in fairness one of the initiatives that we funded uh, when I was Minister was an initiative by Carlow County Council where they had quite a number of photographs that they displayed on, on public notices around uh, the county highlighting just how disgusting this is, particularly for people uh, in wheelchairs or, or uh, parents with buggies. You know, they can't uh, avoid this and the dog fouling ends up on children's hands or, or on a wheelchair user's hands. I was in Australia a couple of years ago on holidays and I was out with my sister-in-law. We were walking her dog. And in Australia, uh, when you're out walking your dog, you have to have the, the, the poo bags with you. And we were stopped by, I don't know, was it a dog warden or, or a litter warden and to check that we had the bags. And if she didn't have the bags with her, I think it was a $200 on the spot fine. Yeah, and, and maybe that's something that we need to look at here is you know, to alter the law in relation to that, that people have to have that receptacle uh, with them at all times when, when they're walking the dog. Uh, you know, another big uh, bugbear is the issue of, of cigarette butts. Every single cigarette butt has 12,000 strands of plastic in it. A lot of those get dumped on our street, uh, into our water courses, and ultimately end up in our rivers and our oceans. Very fine microplastics that are consumed by fish and ultimately get into the food chain. A number of listeners are saying, Dennis, that we need more on-the-spot fines, that if, if people are seen to be caught and people you know, know that there's a chance that they're going to be fined, do we just not is- issue enough litter fines? There's two aspects to that. Uh, as Minister, I took the decision that we'd actually increase the on-the-spot fines from €150 Euro, uh, to €250 Euro, uh, to send out a clear message that we weren't going to uh, to tolerate that. And, and that legislation is available to uh, the current Minister to, to introduce. The second thing, though, is that there is a problem with the law at present in terms of using CCTV footage and uh, drone footage uh, to apprehend and prosecute uh, individuals at present because um, there has been an interpretation taken by the Data Protection Commissioner uh, that uh, people who carry out this activity have rights under data protection law. Now, there is 
uh, an ongoing engagement between the Data Protection Commissioner and the uh, local authorities around the country uh, to have the law clarified in this area. And that will probably require a change in the legislation so that we can uh, clearly apprehend the individuals that are doing this and make sure they get the appropriate fine then. Yeah, and we put up a Twitter poll when we knew you were coming on the programme asking should vehicles be seized if drivers are caught dumping illegally and no surprise 96% of people uh, said yes. I'd love to know who the 4% were there, by the way that has said no. Somebody says, has a car ever been seized because it was linked to illegal dumping? No, to the best of my knowledge it hasn't and, and this was an issue that I was dealing with, actively dealing with uh, as Minister um, uh, at the time. Uh, we wanted to see why that wasn't the case. Why had... Uh, the local authority officials not use that particular legislation. Uh, My understanding was that there was difficulty in terms uh, of implementing that. And if that was the case and it required then a change to the law, I think that needs to be done and done quickly because we really do need to get serious about this issue. You know, we have, you know, we have recycling bins at everyone's door now. Uh, We have bring centres uh, all over the country. We've held collections for tyres and mattresses and suites of furniture. I'd like to see more being done uh, in that particular area. But, you know, the routes to uh, disposing of all of these products are there now, and yet people will still take an irresponsible approach in relation to it. And I think we should be seizing and impounding uh, those vehicles and people should have to pay up to €5,000 if they want to get that vehicle out. Yeah, and then that money can be used to clean up the area that they've destroyed. Listen, um, uh, Dennis, you're certainly singing, singing off the same hymn sheet as a lot of our listeners. I can see a lot of people saying well done to uh, Dennis Nocton for raising this uh, issue. We leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, good morning, Chair. Good afternoon, as it is. And now that's independent, uh, Dáil Deputy Dennis Nocton. James and Cloyne said this is on the dumping of white goods, like, you know, a fridge or a cooker or a TV. When you buy a new TV or a fridge, you get a guarantee. So there should be some sort of number or something on the electrical item to identify who purchased it day one. Then if it's dumped, surely the owner can be traced that way. Yeah, but wouldn't you, The that is allowing that everybody who buys an item that they sign up for the guarantee, because you don't sign up for the guarantee in the shop. A lot of that has to be sent off afterwards but yeah it's a it's a good point and one certain that could be worth looking into I imagine to see if you can trace back who actually who who actually is who purchased that TV or that cooker or fridge that got stumped who uh, purchased it on day one 1850 lines open Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie this is the Court Today replay on C103 Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about... 
work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Great story about the Cork County Council community response that we spoke about with the Mayor, uh, Mary Lennon Foley, earlier on, that it is available. It's back up and running if anybody needs help on an, an a 1-800 free phone number, 1-800-805-819. Colin in Boston rang us to say that the, his oil pump went in his heater. And as the weather was very cold, he'd got on to a local guy who normally is able to help him out. But unfortunately, he wasn't available to come to Colm's uh, house. So... Column rang the council's COVID helpline and within a short period of time a lady came back and said oh we have a plumber for you he'll be out to you this evening plumber arrived Julie fixed the problem that Column had he was kind he was efficient and he didn't charge very much I was very satisfied said Column it was the same when I used the service last March I was cocooning needed to get medication they sent somebody out and they delivered it to my home this service should be there all year round thank you for that Column stay uh, safe now John Peener of Times Radio is our man in Washington for the Joe Biden inauguration. He's been speaking to those in Washington on what they hope now for America ahead of Joe Biden's inauguration, which of course is happening later on today. Joe Biden is now to be inaugurated. What does that mean to you, first of all? I'm extremely excited and emotional and despite everything that we're going to have to do, we're going to have a long way ahead of us, I'm optimistic and hopeful. What, what sort of change are you hoping to see from this day on? The biggest one going to be the return of decency to the White House and the return of maturity, professionality and rule of law and, again, decency. Yeah, I mean, this is such a divided, divided country, the United States of America. There's still significant minorities still support Donald Trump, think the election was stolen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's not going to go away. No. Nope. So it is on all of us to do our share. It was a while ago, like a week after the election, the day that uh, President-elect Biden's uh, victory was confirmed, I posted on my social media platforms that I don't know if there's any Trump voter or supporter among my friends and relatives, but if there is, I want to take at least one or two of them out to drink. I just want to extend an olive branch and say, hey, we had we had an election four years ago. We just had one, and let's 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 keep the country safe and move forward yeah. and make it better. What are your hopes? What are you hoping now? I'm definitely hoping for some change in the um, more open-minded direction for America. Um, I'm hoping for um, some more normalcy in my day-to-day and just trust in the uh, elected officials it's been a it's been a pretty strange time in some yeah. ways it's been a dark time yes. i mean are you are you hopeful that you can you can get to a better place with this new president yeah for sure i think <laughs> i think hands down especially also now that 
the Senate is going to be blue as well. Um, I think there will be, for at least two years, we'll be able to make some changes in a positive direction. Yeah. So. But this country, there's still so much division, isn't there? There's still right. still so much distrust yes. about politics and between red and blue. Right. You know, that's not going to go away fast, is it? No. I think, honestly, people underneath have a lot more views than we realize. And we like to say, oh, it's the very rural people who are uneducated who feel a certain way. But actually, I just think it's more common than people realize. Yeah, hopefully... In the coming years, maybe some of the people on the right-wing side will see um, less chaos and maybe understand that there are good changes. <laughs> Do you feel hopeful about this country, your country's future? I, I think so. Uh, it's been an exhausting four years. I think uh, Biden is a, a good and decent man. I'm not crazy about how the Democrats are going so far left. I think it's bad for the country. But I think Trump's tweets were bad for our country. Awful. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think it'll be like a different time for sure. So I've been here prior to Trump um, being president. And so it'll be interesting to see that transition, seeing the transition from Obama to Trump and then now. Yeah. Um, I'm not it'll sure. be interesting. Would it, would it be a good thing? Well, would you be happy about it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Tell me why. Um, I think that the people living here definitely react different to the people who've been traveling here for different like protests and reasons so i think for just like being someone who actually lives in dc um hopefully having more peace and community for us will be nice i think definitely the past events have shown when a president speaks up using social media or different platforms what kinds of things can actually happen and I do not believe that Biden will incite those types of things. You think so, we just may have something a bit more normal from now on? That's the, the essence of what you're saying. I, I would hope that the events of the past week do not um, continue and that yes, that Biden um, would work to I don't know what he could really do but work to kind of um, bring more community back and kind of silence those ideas. Um, Calm things down. Yeah. I think America will always survive. Yeah. You know, I think 99.9% of all people are good. It's not going to be the top politicians that are going to do anything. It's going to be the people like us. Okay, that's that. Thanks to John Pinar of Times Radio, our man in Washington, ahead of Joe Biden's inauguration. I loved that first person that he, that he did the Vox Pop with who said, we want to, we're going to have decency back in the uh, White House. And we wish uh, Joe Biden the best of luck ahead of his inauguration. Now, some of your thoughts coming in to us on dumping. When we spoke to Dennis uh, Nocton. Hi, Tricia. Those fly tippers have done that on my property and and on many occasions dumped old car tyres and just general household rubbish. I do have CCT, but a bit of gaffer tape on the number plate and then they can't be traced. A blue, red or a grey van is no good to the Gardaí without a number plate. These people, unfortunately, are wise to the laws and to the uh, rules. Isn't that shocking? Someone else says, don't get me started here in Mallow on cat fouling and dog fouling. It's out of control. Nobody gives a damn. Marion Cove says, thanks for drawing, our, for drawing our attention to the problem of litter and dog fouling in our towns. Some owners of dogs are giving a very negative 
negative message to others who walk on our street, says Mary. Rosie says, bring back the on-street bins in all public places. That surely would help. And unfortunately, Dennis was going off the line when Mary's text came in. And I'll see if John Paul can get this checked for us. Mary wants to know, if you are aware of somebody who's after dumping rubbish and you report it to the council, can you remain anonymous in case the individual would intimidate you after the report? And I don't know, but I'll get John Paul to check that, uh, Mary, and I'll get back to you uh, on it. Okay, can I quickly look down to, before we wrap up the programme today, some other of your thoughts coming in on teachers. Patricia. Hi. I had to do homeschooling with my grandchildren recently and their teacher definitely was not sitting at home doing nothing. She had an incredible programme prepared for them each day. She responded to all of the work and forwarded to that was forwarded to her during the day. Her response to the children was always positive and constructive. I have teachers living near me and they're working from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon every day, Monday to Friday, to provide a programme for their pupils. They spend their weekends preparing work for the week ahead for some parents who can't do homeschooling in the morning. I applaud them, uh, teachers, for all the work that they are doing. Hi Patricia, on the topic of special needs children not being allowed back to school, people don't understand that it's not just the teachers that these children are going to be in close contact with. They'll be on a bus or a taxi involved in transporting them, which means a driver and an escort, or possibly two in some cases. None of the children, or very few, wear masks. Cleaners will also have to be brought back into the schools, which means a lot more people involved. It's not just the teachers and the SNAs. The children are not socially distanced on the transport nor is it possible. The majority of special needs children are not taken to school by their families. It's a bus or a taxi that's involved. Having the high numbers per capita of COVID in the world is nothing to be proud of and people being fined for going outside their 5k and they want to send special needs children back to school madness I say and that's kind regards that is from uh, Mary and Anne says uh, Patricia the parents of children who have special needs don't they realise that their children could pick up the virus the government are not punishing us by keeping us locked down they're trying to keep us alive I can't understand why all of these people are complaining kind regards that is from Anne hi Patricia love your programme thank you very much Eileen and Mitchellstown just wondering about this COVID vaccine. How many politicians have got the vaccine and when and where are they on the list? I haven't, I have to say, heard of any politician who has got the vaccine and I don't think there'll be any queue jumping by the politicians because they would be called out on it. Look what's already happened with the two Dublin hospitals giving it to family members the small numbers that were left over and gave it to family members and look at the flack they're getting so I certainly can't see any politician jumping any kind of a queue to get the vaccine. Martin in Mitchellstown says I was, I'm very angry at the moment uh, particularly about all the people that died yesterday. Where are the vaccines? We're terrified to leave our homes. Uh, we go into shops and we're, f- we're afraid that it's in there. We're nervous when we're inside in the shops. We're terrified to pick up uh, anything. I know people in the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland who have had the their vaccine. While there's no talk about it down here, it's all talk, talk, but talk is cheap. When are we going to get the uh, vaccines? And we're, we're doing our best to try to see, uh, can we get any kind of a timeline? Because that's the one question we're 
getting in every single day from people in the community. What is the timeline for vaccines? And James and Brewery, can we cut all the nonsense, please? We're all being told to stay at home. If you're going to stay at home, then please stick with it. If people are allowed to go back to work and making certain certain sectors essential, it simply is not going to work. Look at all the other countries. They've closed everything. If people stayed at home, we would hopefully get back to some kind of an normality. Dave says, Patricia, in relation to special needs children returning to school, nobody is mentioning the drivers who have to bring the children and their escorts in their vehicles. These vehicles can range from cars to minibuses with very little protection, except for the usual mask and hand sanitizer. While we understand so much and feel so much for those parents, we also have families with our own worries and our health concerns. Kind regards, Dave, who I am assuming is a driver who brings special needs children to and uh, from uh, school. And someone else says teachers are working harder than ever. The school building may be closed, closed, but teachers are working morning, noon and night working from home. I get up at seven and I work until 12 every night preparing work and doing corrections. The usual nonsense teacher bashing by people who do not really understand what the job entails. Okay, Uh, and let me wrap it up and leave it there. Thank you to everybody. Our apologies if we didn't get to all of your comments uh, today. Such was the level of calls and texts into the programme, but we did our best. That's where I leave you though. My thanks to John Paul McNamara who has taken all your calls and who produced the programme. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow morning for another edition of the programme at at 10 o'clock. Until then, look after yourself and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.